Oral questions by members? Leader of the Official Opposition. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, there is a massive disconnect between the rhetoric uh, we hear from the Premier and the terrible results we see when it comes to crime and social disorder. In a 10-hour span over the weekend, four people were stabbed in separate incidents in Vancouver, resulting in one man dying and three others suffering serious stab wounds. Four unrelated incidents of random violence and violent stabbings within a 10-hour period. And this explosion of violence began under the Premier's watch while he was the soft-on-crime Attorney General for five and a half years, and it continues to devastate communities around this province. So my question to the Premier is, when will the Premier end his catch-and-release system and prioritize the right of victims to feel safe in their communities over the right of violent repeat offenders to be released back into the community? Minister of Public Safety and Solicitor General. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker, and I, I thank the, uh, the member for uh, his question. Uh, and I point out to the member that uh, the police do an incredible job. The Prosecution Service does an incredible job in this province. Um, all of us on this side of the House take these issues incredibly seriously. That's why Budget 2023 has a record $462 million in new funding for programs, one, to assist police in the, in the difficult job that they're doing, to deal with the uh, uh, prevention issues, to deal with justice issues, to deal with keeping our streets safe. That's why that money is in this budget, Honourable Speaker. That's why, for example, we put in place the uh, additional funding for the 911 to assist people when they have to call uh, for help on the police, when they have to call for situations that are challenging, domestic violence, for example. And yet, what does the opposition do, Honourable Speaker? Every single one of them stands up and votes against it, Honourable Speaker. Members, members. Minister? Oh, okay, okay. Minister hang, on, hang, on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, Honourable Speaker. Hang on, Honourable Speaker. Members, hang on, Honourable Speaker. members. Hang on, Honourable Speaker. The, members, the, 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 the both sides. The Minister leader of the opposition just said he cares about results, Honourable Speaker. Well, $150 million investment to upgrade 911 service will bring greater results than voting against the Honourable Speaker. Leader of the Official Opposition Supplemental. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. The fact of the matter is we agree that police do a great job. The problem is the NDP aren't doing their job. That's the problem. You'd almost forget that this is a government in their second term. Six years into the government, they still haven't figured out that announcing more money doesn't actually improve results unless you roll up your sleeves and get the job done. Speaker, that people no longer feel safe, and we have witnessed no improvement in the violence on our streets. On Valentine's Day, the horrific reality hit home in Richmond when a woman was found lying unconscious on a sidewalk. The police only realized that she was a victim of crime when another woman came forward with a similar uh, report of an attack. 
The second victim was attacked by a violent repeat offender on the same day, walking on the same street in the same location as the first woman. After six years of NDP government, our streets are the most unsafe they have ever been and things are getting worse, not better. When is this Premier going to put the rights of victims ahead of repeat offenders and keep our British Columbia citizens safe in their own communities? Minister. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker, and I appreciate the question uh, from the, uh, the member. Uh, and once again, I'll tell him we take this issue extremely seriously, Honourable Speaker. That's why we've made investments in the resources and the initiatives that police have asked for, Honourable Speaker. That's why we have put in place... That's why we put in place a provincial witness security program, something that they did not do, Honourable Speaker. It resulted in more than 419 charges, 134 murder charges, and convictions, Honourable Speaker. They could have done it. That's why, Honourable Speaker, we've committed more than $230 million to hire RCMP officers to assist rural communities, small communities, integrated teams right across this province, Honourable Speaker. They didn't do that. We've done that, Honourable Speaker. Please continue. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. And the Leader of the Opposition mentions victims, Honourable Speaker. And I want to talk about victims, because I want to talk about the support that this government has given to victims. Members, because members. Honourable Speaker, Honourable Speaker, let me just give you, members. let me just give you, Honourable Speaker, when, when that uh, member sat on this side of the House, Honourable Speaker, the, uh, what we saw between 20, 2009 and 2017 was a reduction in services to victims, Honourable Speaker. A reduction. That shows how much they cared about victims. And since 2018, Honourable Speaker, Members. we have given a 70 per cent increase in funding for victims, Honourable Speaker. Members, both sides, let's have a question and an answer. Please, let's not interrupt each other, both sides. Okay? Member for Abbotsford West. Uh, thanks, Mr. Speaker. It's gratifying, actually, to hear the, uh, the minister at last refer to victims because, uh, regrettably, uh, the numbers of victims are piling up under this government, Mr. Here, Speaker. Here. It's, every day, every day we seem to hear about another tragic story of a victim at the hands of a prolific, violent offender. And what we continue to get from the Premier and the government is denial and excuses, denial about the magnitude of the problem. Ernesto Malgapo is a violent, prolific offender. He's got over 100 separate court files. He offends. He's briefly detained. He's brought before the courts. He's released. And he reoffends. He was brought in on December. By Valentine's Day in February, he's back on the streets reoffending. And a woman, women in Richmond are the victims of another violent attack. For all of the rhetoric, 
for all of the excuses, for all of the denial, the problem has gotten worse and worse and worse. And it is the result of a purposeful catch and release public policy. When is this Premier prepared to admit that his approach to this has been wrong, that victims have suffered as a result? And when will he change his catch and release? Chair really appreciates when the question was asked. Nobody interrupted the member. So let's do the same thing now. Let's hear the answer. Minister. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker, and I appreciate the question from the member. And I will remind that member uh, that, as a lawyer, he knows we have an independent judiciary. He knows that we have an independent prosecution service. He knows that the criminal... Co Gee, it didn't take long, Honourable Speaker, for them to ignore your, your admonition. Please continue. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. And they know that the Criminal Code of Canada, the member knows that the Criminal Code of Canada is a federal responsibility. That's not buck passing, that's a fact. It's something that they seem to be uh, uh, not wanting to, uh, to deal with. And once again, the Leader of the Opposition demonstrates why he will always be Leader of the Opposition and never sit on the side. Speaker. It's okay, members. It's Honorable okay. Speaker. It's okay, Honorable members. Speaker. Calm down. Members, please. Members will calm down. Minister Thank will you, continue. Honorable Speaker. So, in response to the issues that uh, are caused by uh, changes that were made to the Criminal Code, um, we have been really clear on this side of the House that uh, we think there's unintended consequences and they need to be changed. The federal government has indicated that they agree with us. And I can tell you that uh, both the Attorney General and myself will be in Ottawa uh, at the end of this week to discuss potential changes with the Federal Justice Minister. Changes that we want to see happen to make our streets safer, to deal with some of the unintended consequences that came out of Bill C-75. Because we know British Columbians deserve to be safe in their communities, and we are doing everything we can, and will continue to do everything we can to make sure that we are. Member for Abbotsford West, supplemental. You know, over a year ago, we urged this government to take specific steps within their authority to address this problem that they are largely responsible for. We urged action under the Crown Council Act. We urged other steps. And all we got was excuses, denial, now, the Premier likes to talk about 100 days. You know what people are talking about? 2,000 days of inaction by this Premier when it comes to... <laughs> the destruction, the violence of repeat prolific offenders, the victims are piling up. We have first offenders in this chamber today, Mr. Speaker, who often see the results. First responders. <laughs> who first, first responders who are who see the results who see the results of repeat offenders and the victims that they leave behind mr speaker it's not working 
The approach this government has taken is not working. The denial, the continued denial of the result that they are, have taken is not working for anyone. Catch and release does not work to keep people safe. People in communities across British Columbia do not feel safe, Mr. Speaker, and what this Premier needs to do is to stand up in this House, acknowledge that his approach has failed, and tell British Columbians he is going to take the steps necessary to keep them safe from repeat violent offenders. Minister of Public Safety and Solicitor General. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker, and I appreciate the, uh, the question uh, from my colleague across the way. I want to make it clear that all of us on this side of the House take this issue very seriously. And the Attorney General does as well. That's why the Attorney General and myself, as I said, are going to Ottawa to deal with the issues around the Criminal Code with the Federal Justice Minister. Issue issues that impact every single province in this country that every Justice Minister and Solicitor General across the province has told the Federal Government they need to address with. And British Columbia has been acknowledged as a leader in that area. Provincially, Honourable Speaker, we have put in initiatives that are based on what police are telling us they need to see happen, Honourable Speaker. The experts on the ground, Honourable Speaker, like the first responders in the gallery, Honourable Speaker, the experts who do the job day in, day out, which is why when they said, you know what, we need a witness protection program, we put that in, Honourable Speaker, which is why when we identified and worked with local government that they said there are gaps that we, in terms of rural policing, it's this side of the House that funded $230 million to put those 270 officers in community fighting It's why we put in, it put in place special, repeat of, uh, special teams to deal with repeat offenders, Honourable Speaker. Those are initiatives taken by this government. Honourable Speaker, we will take our advice from the experts, Honourable Speaker, the police on the ground, the communities on the ground. And when it comes to victims, Honourable Speaker, when it comes to victims, Honourable Speaker, when it comes to victims, Honourable Speaker, we will not take advice from, a, from that side of the House when they sit on the, sat on this side of the House. They cut victim services Thank over you, 10 Mr. by 4 percent, and Thank we've you. increased them, Honourable Speaker. We Thank take you. public seriously, and we're going to continue Thank to you, do that. House Leader of the Third Party. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Today I'm going to do uh, a little, something a little different than uh, what normally happens in here for the 30 minutes of question period. Uh, I had the honour of hosting the Minister of Public Safety and Solicitor General uh, last Friday uh, to Salt Spring Island. And uh, we had the opportunity to uh, meet with uh, the first responders, or some of the first responders uh, on the island. And I just want to say that in the follow-up uh, from that meeting on Friday, my constituents on Salt Spring are very happy for the open and honest dialogue that uh, the Minister of Public Safety had. Um, we met with the RCMP detachment, Sergeant Clive Seabrook, whose community-minded policing, Mr. Speaker, is very welcome and well-received by the Islanders. We met uh, for lunch with Fire Chief Jamie Holmes uh, and grateful to the cook and fire volunteer uh, Misha Dur mcclellan for the uh, delicious chili, cornbread, and salad that was served to us. Mr. Speaker, I'd like to know through you uh, to the Minister of Public Safety, 
what it was that he heard from my community on Salt Spring with respect to public safety and their needs. Minister. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker, and I uh, appreciate the question uh, from the member because it was an interesting it was an interesting discussion we had uh, with uh, the residents of uh, Salt Spring Island who brought forward a number of suggestions, how much they value uh, their local detachment and how much they believe in terms of relationship building. And they identified some of the challenges that small communities such as his, and I know occur in other parts of the province, uh, have to deal with, which is where officers come into a community and they're only there for a short time. And particularly when you're dealing with communities that have Aboriginal communities where that relationship is so absolutely critical. They asked me, is there a way in which we can ensure that, 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 that police in communities like his and indeed in other communities don't just do two or three years but have the ability to stay longer? And I said that, yeah, you know what, that's something that uh, I, I, I know is a problem. It's something that the Committee on Police Reform identified as a problem. And it said, I said, it is something I intend to take up with the federal minister on that. That's one of the things that we heard. Uh, and I thought it was a very valuable discussion, so I thank the member uh, for uh, arranging that meeting. Member <laughs> Supplemental. Mr. Speaker, um, I recognize that the role of question period is to hold government accountable, but it's also, I think, the role of this House to be constructive. And, it, and I think that when we have first responders who are here today, who put their lives on the line for, for our constituents day in and day out, that it's important that they can see that we have both the role of accountability, which they're seeing, and also the role of being constructive. We heard uh, a range of issues, as the minister pointed out, many of them. Uh, in fact, uh, Salt Spring Islanders are very uh, looking forward to a meeting uh, with the Minister of, of Transportation, because many of the issues over there are about roads, road quality, road maintenance, uh, the much-desired cycling lanes on Fulford Ganges. Specifically, yes, I know, I'm getting to, I'm getting members, to the question. Members, members. I'm getting to the question. There were... Members, please. Nobody interrupts. There were specific questions to the minister raised uh, by the fire service on Salt Spring. They're in the process of building a new fire hall, and I think that all of the members here that serve in the volunteer fire and, and paid fire services know the value of their fire halls. They also know the value of their communications. Through you to the Minister of Public Safety, what role can the provincial government play in supporting Salt Spring Island with the construction of their new fire hall and their new communications services? Minister. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. Uh, and again, I appreciate the question because one of the great things about this meeting was to learn firsthand some of the challenges that his community and other communities that I have no doubt face. And one of them is the construction around that new fire hall and the, and the issues and the challenges that they're facing over financing. Uh, I have committed to the member that I would be speaking with my colleague, the, uh, the Minister of uh, Municipal Affairs and the Minister of Finance, in terms of how. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Uh, and I heard the, uh, the comments across the way, and I'd just like to remind the member that, you know what, uh, when, when, when members do ask a question, uh, they do get an answer. Just like when the... <laughs> Such as when the member of Kootenai East uh, rose last week and asked a question about driver's license in Ukrainian language, I told him that we would deal with it. 
An honourable speaker, honourable speaker, as I told him yesterday, and I'll tell the rest of his colleagues, uh, that issue is going to be dealt with and be completed by the 27th of March, honourable speaker. And, and in answer to the, uh, the member's question, um, I've committed to, uh, to getting those answers, and I will do just that. Member for Surrey White Rock. Thank you, uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. And after that interlude, maybe we can actually get back to question period in holding this government to account on their failed, failed Now, we, we all know that Surrey is the fastest growing city in British Columbia. And I think we all are starting to know that this NDP budget has absolutely failed the citizens of Surrey. So six years ago, this NDP government campaigned on a promise. On they campaigned on many broken promises, but let's talk about one specific promise. And that promise was to eliminate all portables in Surrey. And here's a quote from the leader of the NDP. We have no. to have a total removal of all these portables over the course of the next four years. End quote. We agree. Guess what? Six years, and we have more portables in Surrey than ever before. In fact, in fact, in fact, 10% more portables than when that leader made that quote. So my, my question, it's a simple one, it's to the Premier, is how could he fail and miss so badly on a campaign commitment to eliminate portables in Surrey? Minister of Education. Thank you, Mr. Speaker, and uh, my first time ever standing up for the question period. <laughs> I would really like to thank the member for the question. Uh, I, I am really honored uh, that, uh, and really honored that what our government has done since 2017. We have made education our key priority and we have made investment. And it, this is investment, this is investment that I'm very proud of, not just as an education minister, but as a parent as well. And this year's budget as well, Mr. Speaker, is historic for K-12 sector. We are putting, I would say, uh, the amount I'm so proud of, $8 billion uh, in, into K-12 sector. So this... <laughs> and this is a commitment that, Mr. Speaker, that we took on since 2017. Uh, we have uh, invested in more than 60 uh, schools uh, since 2017. And I can talk about Surrey as well, Mr. Speaker, uh, which the member has raised. Since 2017, Mr. Speaker, we have put $475 million in the, in, in the capital projects, which has, for, which has created more than 10,000 seats. And, and putting, the, uh, putting our students out of portables into new expanded schools, which they deserve. Member for Surrey White Truck Supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And, uh, What's historic is the absolute failure by this NDP government. When it, comes, when it comes to portables, they campaign 
to eliminate and have zero, and we actually have more than ever, 10% more than when they made the commitment. Mr. Speaker, results matter. And it's a, it's a fact that this NDP government continues, continues to fail when it comes to matching Surrey's rapid growth. So firstly, one of, the most, one, of the, one of the things they first did is we talked about the Massey Tunnel. Scrap the Massey, Massey Replacement Bridge, $100 million gone. Then what do they do? They delay the Patello Bridge, reduce its scope, and they stuck Surrey taxpayers because of their community, their community rip-off agreements. And to add salt to injury, they're going to replace a four-lane bridge with a four-lane bridge. And, and I, think, I, I think some members may know this, but when they, when they originally did the Patello Bridge, four lanes, 15,000 people resided in the city of Surrey. In years to come, there's going to be 900,000 people in the city of Surrey. So my question is a simple one to the Minister of State of Infrastructure and Transit. Is they are failing so spectacularly on this bridge replacement, why don't they do the right thing and make this bridge a six-lane bridge already and get it done? <laughs> Minister of State for Infrastructure and Transport. Minister. Well, yes, thank you uh, to the member opposite, Mr. Mm -hmm. Speaker, for the question. I'm more than happy to talk about what we're doing in Surrey when it comes to transportation and south of the Fraser in general. Um, the Leader of the Opposition just made the, a zero um, let's, let's talk about zero. Let's talk about zero tolls on the port management. citizens of Surrey, a regressive tax on the hard-working citizens of Surrey and south of the Fraser. Let's talk about the Surrey to Langley Skytrain, Mr. Speaker. We're building, members, we're building a major piece of infrastructure south of the Fraser for the people of Surrey and Langley, a piece of infrastructure that the opposition never even talked about during their uh, reign. Oh, it's true. It's true. How Members. many times have they referenced SkyTrain? Zero, Mr. Speaker. How many times have they referenced Subway? Zero, Mr. Speaker. How many times did they reference rapid bus? Zero, Mr. Speaker. So please, please, again, make the zero sign, Mr. Speaker. Have them make the zero sign, Mr. Speaker. And we'll talk about zeros. Thank you. Well, 
Members, members. It's good to see both sides were smiling at least. <laughs> Member for Surrey South. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Um, once again, the NDP all talk, no action. <laughs> They sure do. Uh, the reality is, Mr. Speaker, is the NDP just don't know how to get their projects done for the City of Surrey. Members, members, members. Please Mr. Continue. Speaker, they're failing spectacularly on health care as well. Not only is the promise... Members, Not no. only is the promised second medical school already years behind schedule, but there was no money in the budget for it. Another zero. Uh -oh. Oh. My goodness. And as if that wasn't bad enough, the Surrey Board of Trade released a report revealing how woefully inadequate health care is in Surrey. Anita Huberman says, quote, if you have a heart attack, a stroke, trauma, need specialty services for your child, you need to go to another hospital across the bridge, end quote. And yes, that would be the four-lane Patello Bridge that you would have to get over. And the new so-called hospital doesn't even have a maternity ward. Zero, Zero, Zero maternity Zero. ward. Which is ridiculous in the fastest growing city in British Columbia. So my question through you to the Premier, Mr. Speaker, is why is the Premier abandoning the residents of Surrey by offering them absolutely nothing new in terms of health care in this budget? Minister of Health. Oh. Honourable Speaker, we're building a second hospital in Surrey. Yeah. Members, members, let's have the courtesy to listen, please. Please. Thank you. Uh, Continue. Honourable Speaker, the, the, the uh, Leader of the Opposition is. Uh, uh, bringing his usual insightful thought into this debate, Honourable Speaker. I, I, it's okay. The, the members, order. The members, members, please. The person who sold the land. The person who stopped the second Surrey Hospital being built after he promised it, Honourable Speaker. The person who failed the people of Surrey, who doesn't represent them anymore, Honourable Speaker. That person shouldn't be talking about hospital care and studio. We built the hospital. He sells the land. Uh, Honourable Speaker. Honourable Speaker. In 2008, Honourable Speaker, Members. in 2008, there was a proposal from the Fraser Health Authority and SFU to build a second medical school in Surrey. Who was against it? He was against it. And now, Honourable Speaker, the, the medical school and the hospital that he stopped, he's complaining about, Honourable Speaker. We are building a second medical school, we're building a second hospital, and here's what else we're doing, Honourable Speaker. Here's what else we're doing. Members. Question was asked. Now let's conclude, please. 
Minister. Thank you, thank you, Honourable Speaker. I could go on. I could go on. Honourable Speaker, the Liberal government failed the people of Surrey on health care more than any other government in the history of BC. We are delivering for the people of Surrey with UPCCs, adding diagnostic care, adding surgeries, Honourable Speaker, adding a second hospital, adding a second medical school. We are delivering for the people of Surrey, and we're going to continue. The balance, the question period.